fratres obsecrobos ne deficiatis in tribulationibus meis probobis, que est gloria vestra. Brethren, I pray you not to faint at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. The Sundays after Pentecost at this time of year don't always line up exactly with the Sundays according to the days of the, the weeks of the month that we hear Old Testament lessons from in Matins, and yet nonetheless there are often remarkable correspondences which we can see between the texts that we hear at Matins, these various Old Testament books that are read, and what we're singing in the Holy Mass. And this week we heard the beginning of the book of Judith, a book that describes the salvation of God's people from an immense peril that threatened them. And the lesson that we heard at Matins set the scene of the power of King Nabucodonosor, who is essentially wants to bring the entire civilized world under his dominion. King Nabucodonosor, being angry against all that land, swore by his throne and kingdom that he would revenge himself of all those countries. And he called all his ancients and all the governors and his officers of war and communicated to them the secret of his counsel. And he said that his thoughts were to bring all the earth under his empire. Things don't look very good for the Jews at the beginning of the book of Judith. And it's full of the desperate pleas for mercy that come from the, the priests, from the people, from this holy widow Judith, Exaudi preaches servorum tuorum, we heard in the responsory last night, and we heard in many of the responsories this morning at Matins. Here, graciously here, grant the prayers of thy servants. And this same insistent pleading for mercy we hear in the text of today's Mass. Miserere michi domine, have mercy on me, Lord, for I have cried unto thee all the day. We'll sing in the offertory. Domine radiuvandum me respice, in auxilium meum respice. O Lord, look down to help me. Let them be put to shame and confusion that seek after my life. Look down, O Lord, to help me. And St. Paul, as he addresses the Ephesians in the epistle, also finds himself in great tribulation. He writes to the Ephesians from prison that imprisonment, which produced also the letter to the Colossians, of which he perhaps seems to speak in his second letter to the Corinthians when he talks about a terrible trial that he went through during which he despaired even of life itself. And yet it's out of the midst of this terrible tribulation of his imprisonment that St. Paul writes what is perhaps the most sublime and mystical of his epistles, which opens onto untold vistas of the grandeur of the mystery of Christ, the mystery of the church, the mystery of what God is doing in history. St. Paul says in the passage immediately preceding this epistle that he has been made a minister of this secret design of God, given the grace to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ, to enlighten all men, that they may see what is the dispensation of the mystery which hath been hidden from eternity in God who created all things. That the manifold wisdom of God may be known, made known to 
to the principalities and powers in heavenly places through the church, according to the eternal purpose which he made in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faithful. Wherefore, I pray you not to faint at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. We've perhaps heard these words so many times that they don't strike us, but it must have seemed a bit pretentious in his day for this leader of an obscure Jewish sect from a prison cell to write these things about himself and to say that he's been given the grace to preach these unsearchable riches of Christ, to preach the secret plan of God that's been hidden from all eternity. Such was the faith and hope that sustained St. Paul in this dark moment in which he urged the Ephesians to hold on to, not to faint at his tribulations for them. He wants to open their eyes to what God is doing even in the midst of his tribulations. Because as we heard in the gradual, timebun gentes nomen tuum domine, quia edificavi dominus sion, et videbitur in maestatis sua. The Gentiles, O Lord, shall fear thy name, and all the kings of the earth thy glory. For the Lord hath built up Zion, and he shall be seen in his glory. This too could be taken as summing up what's going to happen in the book of Judith, if we were to continue reading. The Lord bringing about an amazing deed of salvation through this humble, insignificant widow who fears him. Winning a great victory over the Gentiles, making his name great among the nations, so that Zion can be built up and he can be seen in his glory. Zion, of course, is a figure of the church, the church which was being built up even in the midst of St. Paul's tribulations from which he wrote to the Ephesians. We live in a time of uncertainty and tribulation for the world, uncertainty and tribulation for the church, in our own lives in many different ways. And the texts of this Mass call us to put our faith in what God is doing in the midst of these tribulations. That he is working out his plan which has been hidden from eternity in God who created all things. To make known his manifold wisdom. To build up his church so that his glory, his majesty may be seen in Zion. The same hope sustained our father St. Benedict. We've been hearing chapter 4 of the instruments of good works and Blessed Oldefon Schuster commenting on that chapter, commenting especially on the last instrument of good works, remarks, when the saint was writing these words, the Roman world was being buried under its own immense wreckage. Saint Benedict himself from Monte Cassino could look on the plain below, contemplating the passage of the enemy hordes who had invaded Italy. They marked their path with a trail of the flames and the smoke of the cities which they had burned over their slaughtered populations or which they had made slaves. At that time, every day to Monte Cassino there must have run, seeking refuge, the poor peasants, despoiled and maltreated by the Lombards, just as St. Gregory the Great describes them for us in his dialogues. And yet, St. Benedict composes the rule, confident and serene, without allowing to appear in any way the anxiety of that horrible hour 
through which all of the world was passing at the time. How can we explain this state of soul of such unruffled serenity? The last of the instruments of good works unveils for us the secret. Et de Dei misericordia numquam desperare. And never to despair of the mercy of God. Quia tu domine suavis et mitis, et multe misericordiae omnibus invocantibus te, he sang at the end of the introit. Thou, O Lord, art sweet and mild and of great mercy to all who call upon thee. God, is, God does not abandon into the hands of another the government of the world, whose times and moments the Father has placed in his own power. All will be for the best when it is God who governs. This was the confident hope of St. Benedict, never despairing of the mercy of God even when the world was literally falling apart around him. It was the hope of St. Paul, writing these words of hope to the Ephesians from his prison cell. It's our hope in the hour through which the world and the church are passing now. And our hope is never dissociated from the one through whom God has wrought this deed of hope, the one who was prefigured by Judith, whose story we heard at Matins. We sang last night at the Magnificat, Adonai Domine, Domine Deus et Mirabilis, qui dedisti salutem in manu femine, O Lord, who has granted salvation in the hand of a woman. In his virgin mother, whose obedience and humility undid the disobedience and the pride of the ancient serpent, the disobedience and the pride of Adam, through her, God has indeed wrought salvation in the hand of a woman. We look to her as our sign of hope in the midst of all that may be crumbling about us, in the midst of all of the forces that may be assailing us as they assailed Israel in the days of Judith. We look to her confident that she will lead us through the storm and enable us to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the charity of Christ which surpasseth all knowledge, to be filled unto all the fullness of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Son.